gospel time. Well, we're continuing on our series on the book of Esther today, and if you're visiting church for the first time, I'll make it so you can catch up and sort of get the gist of the story. But just as we've heard some stories there, I love hearing Bible stories. I love hearing Bible stories. I don't know whether you saw this week, Chris O'Reilly's story was on uh, TV One on the news. That was cool. He went and ran the Rotorua Marathon yesterday, but they put his story uh, uh, up on, on, on television New Zealand. I think it's now on our website. Just again, incredible work that God, uh, God has done. But there's, there's nothing like us. So you can't argue with people's testimony. And the Bible is full of incredible stories, and I love those stories, stories of people who faced adversity, fought against the odds, and came out on top. And Esther is one of those stories, a brave young Hebrew woman whose heroic acts saved an entire people. She didn't just save her own life, she saved her people's, her entire people's lives from the hands of a crooked tyrant. You know, in the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 4, it says, For whatever things were written, speaking of that which was written before in the scriptures, for whatever things were written before, were written, what for? For our learning. Another version says for our instruction. Whatever we find in the Bible, whenever we see a story, whenever we see a testimony, all of these things were written for our learning and for our instruction. That we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. And if ever the world needed hope, it needs it now. And so that's my desire. I want to reveal her story through the pages of Scripture in the hope that it will encourage us in our story as we seek to walk out our journey in these crazy COVID times. So today we find Queen Esther facing a life and death decision as we enter chapter 4. This is actually part five, parts one through, through four are online. You can check those out. But we find Queen Esther facing a life and death decision. We finished last time with the king's decree being issued by Haman the Horrible for Operation Elimination. It says bulletins were sent out by couriers to all the king's provinces with orders to massacre, kill, and eliminate all the Jews, youngsters and old men, women and babies. On a single day, the 13th day of the 12th month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. When Mordecai learned what had been done, he ripped his clothes to shreds. He ripped his clothes to shreds and put on sackcloth and ashes. Then he went out in the streets of the city, crying out with loud and bitter cries. Chapter 4 tells us that Mordecai and all the Jews everywhere were in fear for their lives. They were in fear for their lives. Now, Mordecai must have been making a bit of a scene. I don't know if you've ever had a time when you've walked through your street, through your neighborhood, wailing and crying. It's not something that we do too often, but we can see that Mordecai was making a bit of a scene as Esther's servants came and told her something is up with Mordecai. 
And she, through her servants, asked Mordecai, what, what's wrong? What's going on? And, and, and Mordecai told Esther of the upcoming massacre. In fact, he even sent her a copy of the decree so she could read it for herself. Then Mordecai told Esther, in Esther chapter 4, verse 8, he said, go to the king and intercede and plead for your people. Go to him. In fact, we've got to understand he was not giving her an option as his, if you like, stand and dad. Mordecai was saying, you need to do this. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. In fact, in the King James Version, it says he commands her, go and do this, go and visit the king, plead on behalf of your people. It wasn't an ask, it was a command. And you can imagine for a young girl like Esther, this would be totally overwhelming for Esther. So she tells Mordecai, she's like, I can't just go to the king. I just can't go and have a chat with the king. And Esther 4 verse 11, she says, everyone knows that there is a single fate for every man and woman who approaches the king without being invited. Death. Death awaits you. The one exception is if the king extends his gold scepter, then he or she may live. And it's been 30 days now since I've been invited to come to the king. It's been 30 days. Mordecai, who I believe would have known what the law was, knew that death awaited those who just approached the king without being invited. He would have known that. Gave Esther a reply that is probably one of the most familiar or famous passages in the Bible. It's certainly in this book. And he says to Esther in chapter 4, verse 13, he says, Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come for the Jews. It will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And then he says this, and here here it is. This is the most famous, I'm sure, if you've been a Christian, if you could quote any line out of the book of Esther, if you can say, yeah, I've memorized, you probably know this verse. There's been songs written. You would know this verse. He then says this, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. In other words, Esther, maybe this is the reason you're here. Maybe, Esther, this is the reason you were born. Maybe, Esther, this is the reason why you are on God's green earth. Maybe, Esther, it is for such a time as this. This is my first point I want to give you today as we share some thoughts around this. Number one, we all need a Mordecai in our life. Every single one of us need a Mordecai in our life. Someone who will know our heart, someone who knows us, someone who knows our insecurities. Because how many know? We're not always as good as we seem. You know, this week we actually... Uh, we're down in Queenstown suffering for Jesus. But we gather with 88 other pastors. And the fact is it's Mental Health Week, right? It's Mental Health Week. So uh, again, we, we made sure we checked out the pastor's mental health. They've, they've been through uh, a, a tough time. And we wanted to make sure that they 
were still sane and still able to, and functioning okay. They've been through a tough, tough time. But many of us know it was a great time. And again, thank you for allowing us to do that and be able to do that as we look after the New Life churches across New Zealand. But again, sometimes even as pastors, we can, we can say things are okay and things cannot be okay. Every one of us needs a Mordecai, someone who knows us, someone who can speak to our lives, speak to our insecurities, speak to our worries, someone who really knows us yet can call greatness out of us, someone who will inspire us to do what we think we can't. Everyone needs a Mordecai in their lives. Uh, certainly we who are older, I would challenge you today to, that we need to be Mordecai's to the next generation. It's a fatherless generation. I speak to the men here today. You need to be a Mordecai to the next generation. Don't just leave it for somebody else to do it. Whether you're a kid's coach or a mentor, mentor, or a teacher, or you're helping some new fella at work who's trying to learn the ropes. We need to be Mordecai's to the next generation. When I was a recruit as a firefighter and learning how to do that, like, I, like I've said, you know, I had the uniform and everything. I looked awesome. <laughs> I looked amazing. I looked so good, but I didn't have a clue about anything. But there was a guy there named Trevor. He was the deputy chief, and he took time to explain. Every time you got on the truck, he didn't just yell at you or scream at you. He'd tell you, this is why we do what we do. We do this because of this reason. He was a Mordecai to me, and I try, and, 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 and been doing it for 11 years now, try to be that to other recruits who come, come on, and so that they're, they're not flying blind, if you like. We need to be Mordecai's. To our next generation, you might be a young person here and go, well, I'm, I'm just too young when I'm older. Friend, I want to tell you, God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 7, don't just say you're young. Don't just say, well, I, I'm just young. What can I, listen, whatever God's put in you, you share it with somebody else. You don't know everything, but you know something. Share it with somebody else. We all need Mordecai's. In our life, especially in these uncertain and troubled times. We need Mordecai's now more than ever. Mordecai helped Esther. What did he do? He helped Esther get her eyes off herself. He helped her to get focused not on herself but on others. I want to ask you today, I want to challenge you today. Who are the Mordecai's in your life? Who are the ones who can speak? into your life. Who are you a Mordecai to? See, the Mordecais of our lives help us to, number two, deal with our doubts. They help us to deal. And we all have doubts. We all have concerns. The Mordecais in our life help us deal with doubts. And you've got to understand, for this young woman, Esther, the news of this edict, the news of this the king's decree was a shock for her. It was a Surprise, you've got to understand, she did not, even though she's queen, she did not have a clue what was going on. You see, it's a Persian tradition. She, although queen, was excluded from such matters. Things like eliminating a whole people, wiping out an entire race, well, that was men's work. It was not for the business for women. 
And so she had no clue. So when she heard about it, she, she's in shock. She's like, oh my, I, I, I can't believe this. And you've got to understand, up until that moment, her, her, her toughest decision in life was, am, am I going to wear the green dress or the blue dress with sparkles? Am I going to wear Gucci or Prada? Am I going to, I mean, she's a queen for goodness. She had six months of beauty treatments. Which shoes are going to go with this? Up until then, that would, had been her biggest decision. And for us in the mundane of our lives, sometimes, I mean, our, our lives can, that can be, our, our biggest decision can be, do you want fries with that? Or shall I go to Pack and Save or New World? Who's got a special on today? But for Esther, suddenly her decisions had gone from the mundane to the critical. And aren't we living in a time in this 2020 where our decisions have suddenly taken off, have gone from the mundane to the critical? Because now we're living in the midst of a global pandemic of biblical proportions that we have never experienced before. And suddenly things have gone up a notch. Suddenly things have gone up a level. We're experiencing a global recession unparalleled in modern history. And that creates worry and uncertainty and although we can put on a brave face sometimes it's like we don't know am I going to have a job next week am I going to have a job in three months and and what am I going to do how am I going to how am I going to pay the house rent will we lose our house I know there have been people in this church pushed to their mental limit I know there are people in this church who are going like in three months I don't know we won't have a house we've been told to move out we don't know where we're going to live Suddenly our normal, ordinary life has been stepped up a level by all that's happening in the world. We're living in a world where we're faced with political discord like we've never, never seen. We're being asked questions that we've never had to think. Do black lives matter? Or do all lives matter? Who matters? Lord, do I matter? And we're having to go to places in our head and in our heart that we've never had to go to before. 2020 seems like a year on steroids, right? It's just like, what's going on? So for Esther, she's suddenly faced with a life and death decision. Do I go? Before the king and plead for my people, knowing in doing so, it could cost me my very life. I mean, as we said, she hasn't been called to see the king for 30 days. 30 days. Now, I know if I didn't call Anita for 30 days, she'd have a problem with that. Come on. 30 days, people. That's a long time. That's, one, that, that's like one month. 30 days. And you've got to understand the context of this. This was not like how we do life today. It was not, you know, the king comes home and Esther's waiting there. Hey, honey, how was work today? Did you wipe out anybody? Or what was the... 
It was a whole different way of doing life. And we've got to remember, as we saw last week, it had been five years since she had been queen. Five years she had been married. And so it is possible that the king had since got more concubines as they did in those times and therefore was not as smitten with Esther as he once was. Not as smitten as when he once saw her for the first time. You know, maybe things have got a little stale. Life moves on. And so it's understandable that there would be so many doubts and questions going through her head. She's like, if I approach the, the king, I could die doing this. What, what if the king doesn't hold out a scepter? What, what if the king gets upset when he finds out that I'm a Jew? And maybe I could escape this. I mean, I am the queen. I mean, why should I put my head on the chopping block for somebody else? I mean, anyway, I'm just Esther. What difference can I? I'm just one person. What difference could I make? What difference could you make? It's just me. I'm just one person. I'm nobody special. What difference could I make? And Mordecai helped Esther navigate uncertainty. He helped her deal with her doubts, her her doubts, his, his words encouraged her to, to stand up and stand out rather than bow down and bow out. See, Mordecai's words for Esther were a real wake-up call, and I want to say let them be a wake-up call for us. His words encouraged her. They reminded Esther of three things. Number one, we can't escape tough times. His words reminded her of that. Our propensity as human beings, when faced with adversity, when faced with trials, is to somehow escape hardship, somehow avoid dangerous or difficult situations. I mean, I think I've said it before a few times. You know, none of us wake up in the morning and say, How can I make my life more difficult? Right? We're creatures of ease. We're creatures who, who uh, you know, from the core of our being, we're self-preservationists. There's a basic human instinct in the heart of every man to look after number one. But Mordecai's words to Esther were, do not think that because you are, the, are in the king's house that you alone of all Jews will escape. In other words, Esther, don't think you will escape this trial unscathed or untouched. It's important. Because sometimes I feel as Christians, we think, you know, I go to church. I'm a Christian. And, and, and somehow Christians get some special dispensation from suffering or pain or struggles. Can I just tell you, you don't. I do as the pastor. No, <laughs> we don't. We don't. We just have a God who leads us through it, through the valley, through the dark night of the soul. If, in fact, my, my thinking is that I don't know how people can do life without God when they walk through trials, when they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
I know his rod and his staff will comfort me. See, we've got to know today that trials and adversity, tough times are a part of life. But I, I need to say this to you today. That just because you're having tough times, it doesn't mean that God has left you or abandoned you or you've done something wrong. That's pagan thinking. I do this to get that. Appease the gods. No, 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 you've got to understand. Uh, Think about the book of Job. That's why people go, why is the book of Job in the Bible? We need a book of Job in the Bible because every one of us is going to have a Job moment. And Job's suffering was not because he did anything wrong. Job's suffering was because he did everything right. And so you've got to understand that the the suffering and things that as we walk through don't necessarily mean that, that God has somehow abandoned you. It's just life. In fact, James tells us, Thought of James Coots. This is not this is James of the Bible. I just thought of James and Annette who invited Bex. Don't underestimate an invite to church, how it can change a person's life. It could be at a place where they just need to hear the word. Don't underestimate what God can do. But James tells us, James chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. I think that's interesting that it says when you meet trials. I don't know, if I saw a trial coming down the road, I think I'd cross to the other side. I don't want to meet trials. But if you do, the Bible says count it all joy. Count it all joy. The message paraphrases it like this. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. We can't escape tough times. The second thing Mordecai reminded Esther is that no one's irreplaceable. He says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Mordecai was saying, It's the truth is God's going to accomplish his purpose with or without you, so be a part of it. Be a part of it. No one is indispensable or irreplaceable. Not you and not me. You know, I've been in ministry... A long time, I've seen people come and people go. I've seen people get in a huff and a puff and try to blow the church in. And they say to me, if, you, if I go, I, if you, I, I've had someone say, if, if I go, you watch, the church is going to implode. It's going to, this was a long time ago. But the church keeps going, why? Well, fortunately, it's not my church. Thank you, Jesus. It's not even our church, it's his church. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he's for his church. He's got a vested interest. We're his bride. We're we're his bride. And he's going to look after his bride. The third thing Mordecai reminded Esther is that she's positioned for purpose. 
that we're positioned for purpose. I love this part of Mordecai's speech where he starts off by saying, who knows? Who knows? In fact, he then goes on, who knows? Who knows if perhaps, maybe, possibly, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such, just such a time as this. I don't know if you've noticed this because when we speak about this, we, we talk about it like a statement. We say, maybe you were born for such a time as this. And I want you to notice here, this is, this is not a statement. This is a question. Now, of course, we know how the story works out. We know how the story ends, right? So, oh, maybe you were born. Oh, Esther was born for such a time as this. But when, the, when, when this was being said, they didn't have a clue what was going to happen. And so he, he's asking the question, who knows? If perhaps, dare I say it, maybe we'll even get lucky. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? Who knows? Maybe. Someone said faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Mordecai was asking Esther to take a risk, this girl whom he loved as his own daughter, to take a risk to step out on a limb with no guarantee that she would make it. Why? Because who knows? She just might, just maybe, just possibly, not sure, but could be, it could be a part of some greater divine purpose. Because maybe, just possibly, the fact that you are Queen Esther is not some random accident, but part of some divine plan, some divine strategy. Maybe there is something bigger going on here. Friend, I want to tell you in your life, just maybe, who knows, but maybe in your life, something bigger is going on here. So Esther, maybe there is something bigger going on. Maybe God is at work here. And we're going to remember that God never says anything in the book of Esther. He's silent. But we've already seen, surely he's at work in the everyday dealings of Esther's life, planning, preparing, positioning her for purpose. There's no coincidences in the book of Esther. Just like the fact that he's at work in the everyday dealings of your life. And who knows what he'll do? Who knows how he'll use you? See, we've got to remember, we're not just saved from sin. We're saved for purpose. Maybe even for such a time as this. When we think about all that 2020 has brought. We go, what is happening? Or just maybe, perhaps, you were born for such a time as this. And I want you to know today that the fact that you're in this time, in this place, is no accident or no cosmic mistake. You were born for such a time as this. When Esther heard the words of Mordecai, her response 
and change of heart was immediate. She said, I'll go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She moves from self-preservation to self-sacrifice. Esther, in fact, was willing to give her life to save her people. She was ready to do anything. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 8, verse 35, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. wants to protect his life, he'll lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Who knows? You were born for such a time as this. My challenge to you today is let's give our lives. Let's give ourselves to his call and to his purpose. Finding Christ is not the end of the journey. This is not the culmination of the journey. This is the beginning of the next step. You were born for such a time as this. Who knows? God knows. Sometimes we don't know. But God knows. Let's give ourselves to his purpose. So what happens to Esther? She approaches the king. What happens when she approaches the king? Will she be spared? Will she, will she live? Well, to find out, come back next week for part six. I'm going to try and wrap this up over the next couple of, couple of months. No, a couple of weeks. It's tempting. Are you, uh, there's so much in here. As we close, Esther is a beautiful picture of what Christ did. She was prepared to give her life to save others. Jesus died on a cross. And he did it for us. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died on the cross that we could have relationship with God. He saved us, the Bible talks about. You might ask, saved us from what? Well, he saved us from our sin. Well, who's a sinner? Well, everyone. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The punishment for sin, the Bible says, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus died our death that we could live his life. He paid the price so we didn't have to. And the gospel, as Rosanna had so clearly said, is never about how good we are. We could never earn our way back to God. That's the beauty of Christianity. It's not a religion where God re reaches or where man reaches up to God through good works or trying to do it himself. The difference with Christianity is God reaches down to man and our pit and in our lostness and in our far awayness from God. He reaches down yeah. 
and he grabs hold of us. He saves us. We didn't choose him, he chose us. My friend, you can know him today. You can find him today. But I want to tell you, we can't do it. You, may, you might be hearing you saying, well, I've just, got to, I've just got to be a better person. I need to help more old ladies across the road. I need to build up my credits, if you like, my flybys and my air points so I can get into it. Listen, I want to tell you, nothing we can do can ever bring us any closer to God. We fall short of the glory of God. We need God. God is on a, Jesus was on a rescue mission for us. And he can rescue you today. He rescued me some 30 years ago as a drug addict. He can rescue you today if you would give your life to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're watching online, wherever it is and whatever time this is, maybe a year from now, I don't know, I would speak to you also and say, do you need to give your life to Christ? If you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, maybe you've been doing your own thing, you just know it right now. You can sense the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you, you, you say, Pastor, that's me. I know I need to get right with God. With every head bowed and every eye closed. In a moment, we're going to pray a prayer. And that prayer is just saying, you be king of my life. And you know that you need to do that today. You know you need to, as these people even who were baptized today have done. They've said yes to Jesus. If you know and want to be included in that prayer, wherever you're sitting, would you put your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. I need to get right with God. Can you include me in that prayer? Is there anyone here? If you're online and at home, just faith right now, put your hand up. Anyone here today? You, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Down in the back there. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Together we're going to pray this prayer. Oh, hang on. I just felt God say, just, just, there's somebody else. There's somebody else. You know you should have put your hand up, but you didn't. Who are you? Go, come on. No one's looking around. Just, just for me so I can acknowledge who. There's someone you know you should have put your hand up, but you didn't. Just lift it up now and say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I say that, in fact, someone else, we, we, we did this a few weeks ago, and somebody sent me a text afterwards saying, I knew I should have put my hand up, but I didn't. But I want to tell you, Pastor, I gave my life to Jesus in that moment. So I don't, I don't know who you are, but all together we're going to pray this prayer. We're going to pray this prayer. I want you to repeat it after me in, his, in a good, strong voice. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. Today, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Cleanse me of my sin. I repent. I turn away from my sin and turn towards God. Be the king of my life from this day forth. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.